Listener Production. Hey everyone, it's producer Nat here and I'd like to welcome you to a very special episode of That's Enough Already. Today we celebrate all the exceptional women that are featured on this podcast for this year's International Women's Day. Now, Oz couldn't be here because she's off gallivanting around the UK for her tour. So while she's off eating snails and taking selfies in front of the London Bridge, I took the liberty in picking out our favourite moments from last season. Moments that highlight the incredible female guests and their stories that will leave you ugly crying. Now, it was pretty hard to narrow it down to just five, but I mean, I've done it. That's why Oz pays me the big bucks. And by big bucks, I mean she pays me in insults and selfies from her trip. So please raise your metaphorical glass and cheers to this very special day and this very special episode. That's quite enough. Just just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Shush, please. Yes, I can hear. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. First up. An encyclopedia of knowledge, the epitome of intelligence, wit and charm, and probably holds the world record for the warmest hugs on the planet, Sandy Toxvig. In amongst her astounding career, she discusses the incredible story of receiving handwritten death threats and a story that justifies keeping your friends close and journalists closer. Now, the Queen died. Oh, wait a minute. That's a terrible way oh, to break that news to oh, me. Oh, I am so sorry if this is the first time you've heard of it. I've actually yeah. thought, like, how did you find out? Who told you? Did you read it yourself? Uh, no. So, weirdly, I was uh, filming and a friend of mine uh, was part of the broadcast team for, I think they called it um, London Bridges Falling Down, I think it was called. Um, they had a sort of code name for it. Yeah. And so the, the people that were part of the broadcast team were told long before the public. Yeah. And uh, all I got from her was a, a picture of London Bridge uh, oh. on my phone. So I knew probably two, three hours before it was announced. Wow. Um, so she was just letting me know because they had they were immediately into the studio. Uh, it was something that had been prepared for a very long time. It was a very yeah. big broadcast machine that had to be put together and she was part of that process. When something big, like I remember uh, when Princess Diana died, I was still, you know, going through my am I straight, am I not days and my boyfriend at the time came in and told me and again, I wish I could have that moment back where he didn't tell me. Yeah. You know. Yeah, what I'm going to tell people now from now on is that you told me. That's what I'm going to say. That would be awesome. Say. Yeah. You told me on a podcast. You were busy moving. You didn't have time. I was very busy moving. I hadn't heard the Queen had died, and now yeah. you've told me. I feel, and I was sitting down at the time having a coffee. It was fine. I didn't post anything because even when I got my citizenship, because I'm originally from South Africa. Okay. And my great-grandparents used to tell me about the Buddha War and the concentration camps and how they were in there as kids. And there's a remarkable woman called Emily Hobhouse who I just recommend everybody to have a look at. This is a yes. kind of heroine for us all who, who was so horrified that this was being done in the name of the king and in the name of the British people um, that she went out and visited the concentration camps herself and came back and would just interrupt public meetings and, and make sure that people heard. I think she became known as that terrible woman. Um, and she's just a remarkable heroine who who brought it to the attention of the British press, of the British people, and ultimately to the king and the government, um, how awful things were how and what a disgraceful thing was being done in the name of the empire. So she's one of my 
one of my great heroines. So Hillary Clinton wasn't the first woman to be called that. No, I think anybody, any woman who stands up and says, excuse me, this is not what we should be doing, that immediately yeah. become a terrible woman. For all I know, you're a terrible woman. That I am be. a terrible woman, but it's got nothing to do with what I say in public. <laughs> no, I do, because because I I am very opinionated on Twitter. You know, I'm so left, I'm, I'm nearly a complete circle. So um, I'm very opinionated about politics and about, you know, so you. I, I do get a lot of, I've had the occasional, death threat there's nothing I enjoy more bring it on yeah well most of my death threats were before social media but I do remember one I got I used to work for a radio station I used to do a daily show on a radio station and a woman had written a handwritten letter in uh, detailing what she was going to do it was quite horrific what she'd come up with oh wow anyway she'd also uh, written in to another show to um, to win a pen in a competition (laughs) (laughs) we we were able to compare the two letters well, she probably writes a lot of those angry letters and runs out of ink quite often. Yeah. Anyway, she got arrested, so that was good. It warms your heart when you get one arrested. You go, hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah there's that's that. one off the streets. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing a huge favour, and and hopefully they won't do that again. When because you you got a lot of shit when you came out. Uh, in 94, and people, there was a massive backlash about that. Um, so number one, thank you, because it was nothing. Like when people found out, I mean, someone said to me actually last week, they think that I'm um, straight and that it's just an act. I've made up a husband, Graham, and I've got four children with Graham. So when they go, you're not really gay, are you? I go, no, Graham and the four no. kids are at home right now. And, you know, yeah. so, because I reckon I'd be married to a Graham. <laughs> No, you and I are both liars. I would say, uh, I want to get it tattooed on my on my tits. I was a lesbian before it was cool. <laughs> well, 1994, <laughs> I have to tell you, 1994, it was not cool. It was not cool at all. Eliza Schlesinger is the epitome of truth-telling and she tells it to us straight. But we learn one very important lesson from Eliza in this episode. Something that should be simple, asking for help. Her comedy is based around the real-life stuff, so take it from Eliza. There is absolutely no need to hold shame over the hairs on your big toe. So let her be your guide today to learn how to just not give a f- You've got your new um, Netflix specials just dropped on Netflix. Your book is out. You're a new mum. You've got you've got literally everything going on. Are you all right? Are you sleeping? Uh, I'm great. Yeah. I have a full-time nanny that I do not feel bad about having because 100%. it's just the way I've structured my life. And that is, if you can have that third parent in the house, it's just enough to be a little okay with being a new parent. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's like I say to all my friends, I go, if you can and you should, get an OP. Get rid of your car and get an OP. Yeah. Because they cheap. Au pairs are cheaper than nannies if you can't, like, get one. Get them in your house and they go, so my friend goes, yeah, but I don't know if I want another person that takes on that role that loves you my do. child. You, know, you I do. Go, yeah, you fucking you do. do. Yeah, I, I, in this world there's going to be a lot more people than just the two of us, so there's no points given at the end for who's stressed out the most. Exactly. There will only be deductions given for who was the most tired. So hire someone if you can, and if you can't, don't judge people who can. We all make different life choices and uh, it's the best. Plus, I am not the kind of person who's going to like read the book on parenting, but I will hire someone who knows better than I. I mean, you would do that for anything. 
I would not yeah. fill in my own cavities. I would hire a dentist because they know what they're doing. Why would I not outsource this? I'm still there. I'm still there when she, I just, if she's coughing, Myrna knows why. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why she's crying. So I learn. No. I learn with an adult. I learn better with an yeah. adult. No, yeah. I fucking, I, I took my hat to you. Um, I'm in the process of getting an OP. I'm like, this is the best thing. I've got two kids. I'm on the road a lot. Yes. But I'm also not prepared to not have a career or not to have, you know, because I can't be everywhere at the same time. When someone can help, it's like you say, like, I'm not going to fucking service the car in the driveway. Someone else can come and do it. Literally, nobody needs to feel bad about this. And the more women key into the idea that, like, people are just making you feel bad about your choices because they're either making money off of that insecurity or they're jealous. Like, do what you can. Don't feel bad. Do I care that my daughter tears at my jaw but hugs the nanny? No, it is not personal. I will be there for the rest of her life. So. Girls, don't feel bad. Exactly. Get yourself a cookie. And if you can't afford a nanny or an OP, get a sister wife. Get rid of the husband and just get a friend that needs somewhere to stay. Unless he's useful, then keep the husband. Yeah. Or get just a large dog that can help. Yes. A, a Labrador will eat all the dirty nappies. That's what we found out in a hurry with our Labrador. That's awful. <laughs> I know. I know. And the dog's like, it's just in my nature. Yeah. Get, do whatever you need to do. It was so tough to potty train my my son because he would just shit on the porch and then you go, oh, now let's discuss, oh, it's gone. And he, he would just think that shit disappears as soon as it falls out of your butthole, but it's the Labrador. I was just like, I was just going to yes and that and let you continue. It's not my experience, but I don't judge your shit-eating expensive dog. So so um, <laughs> you've got, your special's out, brand new special. Can I just say you are one of the, one no, not one of. I, in my opinion, you are the funniest fucking stand up I've ever oh seen God, in my thank life. You. It feels like it's the first joke I've ever heard in my life, and I've just discovered jokes when I I watch your stand up. It is oh, so man. fucking hilarious. What is your process like? How do you how do you come up with shit? You know. First of all, I want to thank you for, in your list of hosting priorities, you're like, I'm going to tell her about my shit-eating dog. <laughs> then I'm going to tell her what a great stand-up I think she is. Just priorities first. Um, you know, people have asked me that question forever. And I always felt this, not a pressure, but some sort of a pressure to like, be like, well, when I get an idea and I talk about it, here's the fucking honest truth. Things just come to me. They just yeah. do. It's my point of view. It's I'm not trying to make this sound like a beautiful mind or anything, but Thoughts just come to me and then I take that thought and either it comes out on stage or I'll have a thought during the day and I'll, I'll mark it down and then I'll go on stage and I'll just kind of talk it out. So the process yeah. really is, I don't put pen to paper. I really just get on stage and I talk these things out. I don't sit there with a triumvirate. We don't write the note cards. Yeah. It's just, it's all in the workout. You could literally be up there talking about your fucking eyebrows for 22 minutes and people will laugh their asses off. Because of the, the way you deliver it. I really believe my audience is an extension of me. I'm an extension of them. I always think like, if I'm thinking this, you must be thinking this. There's no way these things happening to me aren't relatable. Like I think of myself yeah. as like the every girl, girl, every person, human. And uh, I think that there's uh, a reward in that vulnerability. You know, if you have the guts to stand up there, this doesn't have to be like this earth shattering political thing or revealing something horrific. But if you have the guts to stand up there and say something as simple as like, I shave my big toe yeah. when I'm about to go out on a date, 
just something that lets everyone else know like, hey, that gritty stuff that makes you human that you thought was only you, I do it too. Yeah. Like you felt really traumatized about your bra growing up, me too. And the things that I don't relate to, I just don't talk about. Like, I don't resonate. I've never been the kind of mom that's like drinking wine and can't cope. And that's very real for a lot of women. But because it's not my experience, I can't bring an authenticity to it unless, you know, you're writing a screenplay. So I just try to, I try to make relatable, super personal stuff. Yeah. um, Because I just want people to feel, I want to feel included. (laughs) Monty Diamond is up next on the list today. Another incredible woman. Monty is a shining example of why you don't always have to fake it until you make it. Sometimes you can just hate it until you make it. Food for thought. How are you? What time is it there? It, it is, is nine, nine o'clock. And you've yeah. got, but you're at home? No, I, I've got a little studio in town. I have three boys, Ursula, and they're fucked. So at, to start with, I was doing work. We moved to Byron Bay yeah. to get away from COVID and stuff. And I was doing everything from the house. We moved. I had a new baby two weeks after we moved. Wow. And I was doing the radio show, everything from the house. And I was becoming such a recluse, which I am anyway. Yeah. So then I forced myself to get a space in town, literally two minutes from the house. But now at least I leave the house to work. Can you walk there or do you drive there? What do you do? Oh, don't be silly, darling. Of course drive, I drive. drive. I could yes, walk. Of course. Yeah. <sighs> but why fucking would you? Why would you? When you say the kids are fucked. Yeah. What does that mean? They're just so intense. There's, I've got three boys mm. and they're when, just... Whenever anyone says I've got three boys or mm. a lot of boys, like even my sister's got two, but it feels yeah. like there's four or five at any given time because they do yes. now. So there's just just a lot of noise and that, that weird smell that accompany boys oh, that you don't yuck. get with girls. You don't. And I grew up with all girls. And how's this? Yeah. The other day my little boy's in there. They're not circumcised, my boys, and my eight-year-old's Good. in the shower. Yeah. And he pulls back his force and he goes, look, mum, I've got a secret dickie in here. <laughs> I was like, that's my life summed yeah. up right yeah. there. That's just dick, bum, loud, I'm a snack what? bitch. It's Do just... they fart on you? Oh, they just find farting so funny, but I'm it's partial hilarious. to thinking farts are funny. I think so too, but so this is the thing. I had to say to him because he keeps, he saves his farts. Like yeah, I can right. hear him. He yeah. runs. Like he can be in his room <laughs> or in the, then I can hear him and I go, don't fucking do it. Farts on me and then runs away. And runs just, off. He yeah. laughs his head off. That's he classic. hilarious. Classic. Even as a baby yeah. through his nappy, he would stand up on the bed, reverse his little fat ass <laughs> over my head, sit with his nappy ass on my head and fart and laugh. Yeah. And it's like there's no one. He grows up in a house full of women. Right, yeah. there's only even the dog is a girl, the cat's a girl. I'm pretty sure the two goldfish are girls. Like, and he 100% would not have gotten this from any other boy, like, no exposure, but yeah. they were just farting on my head nonstop. And he even threatens, like, he goes, I'll pull on your head. Oh, whenever anyone talks about their boys, I always think about that woman in um, Bridesmaids. They talk about the, you know, she's got three boys and how she cracked a sheet in half. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is the funniest shit. With my nephews, I've had to say mm. to my 15-year-old nephew once, 
they were staying and, you know, we like everyone was using the same bathroom. It's like on a <laughs> holiday scenario. And I had to say to him, you know, because like my sister was too pressured. I go, hey, can you do us all a favour and just wank in the room and some tissues and then have a two-minute shower so you don't use up all the hot water? Because he's in there for 45 minutes running the... The shower, yeah. it's like, go and wank in yeah. the shower. Like, we you know, know what's going on because then I'm going to get in there and yeah. step on it. And, uh, no, I don't want yeah. that. Yeah. I just Your grandmother's go. using this bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. Do you go away on lots of family holidays? Do you all get together? Well, let me tell you. So, so they love camping. And the, mm. thing I, the thing I would rather, like if you put on the table a sharpened pencil mm. and the tent pegs and go, look, mm. We are either going to go camping or you have to slam that pencil in your eye. I'll go, <laughs> I'm going to go for the left eye because yeah. that's my weaker eye. Yeah. And slam that pencil right through my fucking left eye. So we go camping and so then. So you do go though. Yeah. So oh what we God, do is, good. oh no, fuck, we go in like in a hole because I go, my kids will love this. They're going to remember this shit. Yeah. But now I'm in the process of buying a caravan because I. <gasps> Think of nothing worse than sleeping on the blow-up mattress one more fucking holiday. The amount of times a drunk bargain will wait outside my tent for me in the morning to ask for a selfie with my tits dangling. Oh, no. I just need to go for a pee oh, and they go, no. can we have a photo? And I'm like, you know what? No. Oh, so do you say no to it? Do you well, say no? then I go, can I just go to the bathroom? And then you try and sort of, you know, clean. <laughs> like, there's no fucking mirror hanging in the tent. I look like a no. woman selling wine out of a garage. If you bring your own container, I'll fill it up. Oh, I, so I don't good. then want to yeah. have a photo with you on our holiday. Or even, like, I was sitting um, in these heated pools because where we usually go camping. Oh, everything you're saying is so disgusting to me. Like, <laughs> communal toilets, camping, heated pools with other people. Yeah, like, yeah. that's fucked. All go it. for the pencil what? all the time, mate. I cannot hear <laughs> you talk about this again. It's so intense. You have to have a cabin so you don't have to share the communal bathrooms because yeah. I'm paranoid of papillomas, you know, pat, like warts, corns on the feet. Yeah, oh, when no. You're like, no. And then you've got to wipe down the wet toilet because oh. the kid's been sitting on it after they've been in the pool. pool. Oh, no. It's nasty. God. You really get to know the way other people live. And, you know, when people go, I just want to get to know the locals. I don't. I've no. never, even no. when I go on holiday, people go, I want to go off the beaten track. I don't. I want Neither. that track fucking beaten. I yes. want it paved. I want that yep. shit covered in gold if I could. I do yes. not want to see how the locals live. Yeah, I want to know where's the really good restaurant. I don't want yes. to try a different restaurant because it'll be shit. That's yeah. why no one's been there before. We could yeah. holiday together, actually. We sure could. And, you you know what I like when because when people say to me you should leave the kids and go on a two-week holiday that sounds like a nightmare to me because I Does want it? my kids with me yeah oh oh no I don't want your kids with us on the holiday sorry <laughs> nah you could you love your kids so much more than I love mine like like I pretend I can't jump on the trampoline because we got a trampoline and well, I you from, can't jump on the trampoline because you gave birth to those three I assholes can't. I will exactly I will yeah. even sneezing I have to lean over to sneeze but no I don't get in the tra- on the trampoline with them I've said to them mummy no no I can't because I will oh. wee myself so I've never once got on the trampoline with them which Good. I'm so thrilled keep that energy going their dad's on it all the time. I'm like, you idiot. You should have told them you can't. No, you're good. You're very good though. I envy mums like you. 
Miff Warhurst is an incredibly talented media force. Her career, so vast and exceptional, a prime example of height holding no hindrance to success. Regardless of her incredibly sweet and caring nature, in this episode, Miff shows a different side to herself. She demonstrates that when the time comes, swearing and yelling can actually be quite justified, especially when you're hanging in the air from a canyon. Yep, Miff well and truly left her comfort zone, faced her fears and came out on top. Would you do it? Would you do a beauty pageant? Um, oh, look, I'd love to think I could, but the idea of actually getting out there and being judged on my beauty uh, <laughs> would be terrifying because, you know, I've... it's never been a big deal for me, the, the whole beauty thing. I don't think I could, and I couldn't do the bikini bit either. Terrifying. Like, I would love to run, a, a, like, a beauty pageant, but for women who, uh, I don't want to say who can't be fucked, but honestly, for women who can't be <laughs> fucked, but still want to compete for a crown, right? So, you're in the, like, there's the swimmers one. Well, let's not say yeah. the bikini round, because let's face it, I'm not going to get into a bikini, but there will be swimmers, you know, the shorts, I've got yeah. the, the long <laughs> sleeve rash vest. Um, yeah. So I'll be in that and then, you know, sort of the flip-flops and the big towel, let's go. And, and you know, sort yeah. of, and, and then there's one okay. where, you know, sort of the, so we'll change up the, the routine a bit so you get the the morning morning face. This is, these yeah. just, just getting up your hair, well, basically what I look like today. Your hair is just kind of sticking up. You, you know, you've got a little bit of the mascara that you couldn't get off from the night before because yeah, when women are so... Yeah, no, I mean, so, like I wash my face and then the next morning there's still fucking mascara and you're like, do wet. I just have I've the most up. durable shit on the planet? <laughs> I've given up washing the face some nights. I'm just like, oh, well, it makes no difference. Anyway, it's still there in the morning. But I reckon what would be your special skills round? Like we'd have to change that up. You know how they have the talent section. Yeah. Like it'd have to be something useful like how good you can pack a dishwasher or um, something like that rather than, you know, whether or not you can sing a a theme tune or um, do a dance. I've got a special skill and I thought about it this morning as I was making waffles for my kids. I make sure that the food that they eat are interesting and I, because I encourage, I want them to try different things, right? And so last night too, I make them, I said to to them, I go, what do you want to eat tonight? Do you want to go Japanese? Do you want me to make your Mexican food? What do you want? So they go Mexican food. So I go, okay, I made some enchiladas, I made some nachos, just a whole bunch of different things. That would be my special skill. I can make food (laughs) for kids and they will fucking eat it. Right? There's no yeah. such thing as like my kids don't want to eat. Well, my kids just want to fucking eat and they're quite demanding. They'll tell me 11 o'clock at night, can you make us some pancakes? And I will. I never say no to making anything. So that's my special I want to move in with you, Ursula. I want to move in with that. That Come. sounds like a, like a dream for me. Someone just to cook me interesting food all the time. I love well, that. Well, I tell you what, then your your whole, that whole dream scenario of you going in a beauty pageant is completely out the fucking window by then. <laughs> <laughs> what would yours be? I don't know, to be honest. I think, I, well, I think it is um, stacking the dishwasher really great yeah. or reverse parking. I reckon I'm pretty good at reverse parking. It's the one thing I actually pride myself on. Fucking and snap, bitch. I'm the same. Yeah. 
Like parallel yes. park? Yeah, parallel yeah. parks yeah. without the camera, everything. I just nail it every, every time. time. And 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 it's the only thing I'm proud to say I'm really, really good at. Like I will say it without fail. I'll go, I'm really good at reverse parking. Let's do a road trip, you and me. Oh, absolutely. Are you good with maps as well? Do you really enjoy maps? And, yeah, and old working school out maps. where you are? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big fold-out ones that mm. you used to get like when you went to cities and you'd have to Fuck fold yeah. it to the, yeah, the yeah. corner of the page that you want. I love that shit. I love it. That is a skill set that has died. That's not a thing anymore. People don't fucking do that. I mean, you don't need to. It's like doing long division. You don't need to do it because yeah. it's all on your phone. Why the fuck would you? But And back, know. you know, if the zombies come and they cut our internet because <laughs> apparently that's what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah, we're going to know how to reverse park out of that and, and find and follow a map to escape. We'll be fine. We, we'll be fine. Yeah. Everyone else will fall by the wayside, but we know how to do it and we love it. How the fuck are you and I not doing a living <laughs> show together? <laughs> Yeah, how to live right. Hi, um, you went to South Africa to the jungle and I'm a celebrity, Mm. get me out of here. Mm. Do you, first question, do you think now during COVID and that where people are just going up, you know, they're just in the bush in Aussie, do you think they're getting off lightly? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) No, look, I I think it's the same kind of trauma that everybody's going through. In fact, I think it's probably worse because there's more creepy crawlies that can kill you in Australia. But I do think we got... Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've got malaria mosquitoes where you are in Africa. Yeah, no, we gave up taking the malaria tablets after about day three because they make you bonkers. So we were all just lathering ourselves in in spray and, and there was no risk of that. But it was... I don't know. I just feel like in Australia you know you know what what can kill you, whereas in Africa it's all a bit vague. You're not sure. They tell you about the, the black mambas and all of those things yeah. which were around, and, but you just don't kind of think about it because you're in a different environment. I just know what we know what's about to happen in the landscape here. Yeah. Whereas there it's like, oh, that's exciting. A snake that can spit in your eye and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> When you do something overseas, it's always like when you're in Australia, you you know, uh, health and safety and WorkSafe Australia and all this shit is on deck and mm. they'll be checking stuff. Whereas when you're in Africa, you go, fuck, let's hope this harness holds you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my rationale in my head. Like I was actually the first woman in South Africa to bungee jump out of a helicopter. That was what they made us do on the yeah. very first day. Yeah. I'd never been in a helicopter, let alone bungee jumped out of one, and I'm yeah. terrified of heights. So I would not normally be the first woman in South Africa to bungee jump out of a helicopter, but I was. And it's because I had to tell myself they can't afford to let me die. They literally yeah. can't afford to let me die, not in the first day. So no. even though it will be awful, I don't think they're going to get it wrong. I just had to have faith and you have to give over faith and control and and all of those things. And it was freaking terrifying. It's the worst thing I've ever done. And people who say, oh, you must must not be scared of heights now or you must just be able to do that stuff. And I'm like, no, it's changed absolutely nothing. I'm still totally traumatised by that experience and I will never choose to do it again. (laughs) No. I would not be able to do it. Like every year for, say, the last three, four years, they've gone, they've asked me to go on it and I go, I Mm. can't because I I wouldn't be able to do anything with heights um, and I would probably punch someone in camp. Like I just... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Look, there's that. I think I was lucky. We had a pretty pretty good crew. We're all still on good terms and. You know, I think you bond by trauma, so you're a bit kinder yeah. to each other. Um, but, yeah, I thought I couldn't do any of those things. And uh, I just, when I was there, you, you kind of don't have a choice. But what they didn't show in that when I was hanging, left hanging after I'd flown off a freaking water slide in a canoe and hit some things to set off yeah. fireworks, like it's bonkers. In order to get off, you're almost like kind of going up a, a cliff face. And they're like, oh, hang on, we've just got to change a battery and a camera while I'm hanging there over. And I said, and I said to them then, and this is when I reckon I, they were like, nah, she's done. She's out. I think it's time to go. I said to the camera guys, I said, get me the fuck down now. I was like, I'm not waiting for your battery change. Get me the fuck down now. And I was screaming at them just yeah. because I couldn't handle it anymore. Like that was it. I'd done my limit. Yeah. And, yeah, and they didn't show that on the show. <laughs> it's just probably no. fortunate because my people think, you know, I'm a nice, kind person, which I am. But I think when anyone's pushed in that situation, you end up just because, like I was, ter- like it was traumatic. It was, I was terrified and I just wanted to get the fuck down. <laughs> like as soon as I do it, you need to get me to safety e fucking immediately. Yes, 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 it's done. I've done. I'm at my limit. I've got nothing else to give. So, yeah, yeah. that was a bit brutal for them to see. But, I, yeah, I didn't last too long after that. I think it was only a couple of days. I think they saw that I'd had enough. Now, it wouldn't quite be an episode of That's Enough Already without ending with what shits us. This episode needs absolutely no introduction, a season highlight which will leave you crying with laughter, I promise. So let's end today's very special International Women's Day episode with a giggle from two of the funniest, quick-witted, sharp-as-attack women I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. This is Sarah Millican and Ursula Carlson. I've always been the person who takes spare knickers in case I fall in a lake. Or I don't know. I'm not even anywhere near a lake, but I'm like, you never know. I don't trust someone who goes, oh, I'm just going to go. I'm like, you're obviously going to stink on day two. Like, there's no way. Oh, yeah. Especially in airports. Airports do something weird to my bras. Like, they just smell like, like if I knock a boob, it smells like somebody's having a barbecue after a couple of days <laughs> if I've been in airports. There's too much meat happening over this end. I like a clean bra, I'll have an airport bra, and then I'll have yeah. a, um, now I've arrived bra. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, even if it's like, say, a 12-hour flight, I take spare knickers and then I, like, you take your old pair that you go, I need to throw these away, and then you forget. And every time you do the washing, you just pack them away again and then when I go when I go on a long haul flight I always take those knickers and I wear them and then halfway through the flight I'll go freshen up then I throw those knickers away in the bin in the bathroom uh, on the plane but one day we're flying from Johannesburg to Singapore or something and um, the couple next to me had been on honeymoon in Cape Town and she lost her wedding ring now I'd already done my freshen up (laughs) So we're sitting right in the front. So the air hostess goes, I'll go get it. They check the, the floor. They check the seats. Yes. And then they go and get the bag out of the bin in the bathroom that only we have been using, you know. And they unpack it. And, and there's my knickers. I've never been so thankful well, people wearing, she was wearing those thick blue gloves, the, pla- the yeah, rubber gloves. Yeah, rightly so. And everyone just kind of, like, everyone knew it was my knickers. Like, there was no way <laughs> this size four sitting next to me. <laughs> like, when they peeled up those knickers, <laughs> the woman's arms were completely stretched out. 
don't you share words again? <laughs> Are you barred? <laughs> I think I'm on a list. <laughs> You just know I was part oh. of their Christmas party story. Like they would all have the Christmas party lunch and they go, Cheryl, tell us a story about the knickers in business again. <laughs> business knickers? That's yeah. what your nickname should be business knickers. <laughs> I'm always going to refer to you now as business knickers. <laughs> we might edit this out then. <laughs> Oh my God. I have so many knickers. Like, it's insane. And then uh, it's like I have this, when I travel, I can easily, okay, so I go to Melbourne for a month. That's 50 pairs of knickers and 10 bras. And then I go, um, and of course I do washing along the way. I'm in an Airbnb. It's not like, you know, they withholding water from me. You don't throw them all out on aeroplanes though. That's good. (laughs) You do Not anymore, I tell you. Now I flush them. <laughs> Much better. Much better. I always, like, where does it go when you flush stuff on it? You know it goes out. Like, it's going to land on someone's house. You might be killing people with those pets. No, no, I might be solving a housing crisis somewhere in Antarctica. <laughs> Kevin, we're not building the igloo today. We've got one of those holy tents again. Business niggas has been on board again. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's so funny. Oh, God bless you. I've got some actual things that I've Oh, yeah, ask questions. (laughs) So... In this podcast, we discuss what shits us to absolute death. You know, what about other people irritates you to a point where you go, I could do jail time for sorting this out? I don't really like people who read a lot because I think they try to make the rest of us feel shit. Yeah. Don't ask me. <laughs> also, don't put me on the spot. What are you reading at the moment? Ah, the Bible. Like, I panic. Twitter. <laughs> I'm reading Twitter. I'm reading nice messages about me on Twitter. That's all I'm reading. Like, I, I, I've, always, I've always got my bookmark in a book, but it might have been there for years. Yeah. And it's so I don't, I don't like people who don't think audiobooks account yeah. because they do because I'm in the car and I'm still listening all the words yeah. are still going in and I don't like people who give you books because I this is mad but I think when people give me a book it's like they're saying hey you've got loads of time yeah <laughs> why didn't you read this I haven't got loads of time book her off also I can't sit down and put all of the thoughts that I want into your head but here's 60,000 words that I want to slam into your brain <laughs> right now that's offensive <laughs> It really is. And I think when people say they read loads, they what they're saying is I'm cleverer than you, which what I think it means is I don't work so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they always go, you should prioritize yourself. Yeah, I do. But I don't have time for that shit. I've got other stuff to do. Honestly, if I have five minutes, I should probably dust and not fucking read a book. <laughs> I also don't like it when people buy me plants. Yeah. Two two tours in a row, people have bought me um, have a good tour plants. What is the matter with you? Yeah. I'm away for weeks at a time. I'm going to be away and then I'm going to come back and wash my pants and then I'm going to go away yeah. again. And you want me to also keep a plant alive yeah. in that time? No. no. And I just I put the plants in the bin. I threw away my... Um, 
<laughs> my pandemic succulent the other day and it felt great. Yeah. I put it straight in the bin. I bought this thing and I was like, oh, nice to have a live thing in the house, you know, a little plant on my windowsill. And the other day I thought, no, nope, too busy, too working, straight in the bin. Threw away my pandemic succulent and I've never felt more alive. <laughs> a friend of mine for my 40th, so seven years ago, bought me a fern and she said, oh, my mum said you can't kill a fern. I've killed it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you send her a card back? Go, your mum's sparking wrong. <laughs> Tell you, ma'am, I exceeded all expectations <laughs> and I killed the fern. Yeah. Without, just by ignoring it. It was very easy. I didn't even actively do anything. I just ignored it. Yeah. The other day, I said to my friend, make me drink some water today because it's like I'm pissing foot. <laughs> right? It was so thick. And I, am I expected to keep a plant alive? Yeah. I can barely keep myself watered. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that one so deep in my soul. I can't even fucking tell you. <laughs> oh my God. All right. What about you shits you to death? What about you that you go, fuck me? I'm always a little bit late. And I think it's disrespectful, but I don't care enough to change it. <laughs> I used to have a theory that it was because I have kind of social anxiety. I don't really like waiting for people because then people come up and they might recognise me and then I have to have a weird conversation. But I've, it's not even just that. It's everything. I'm a little bit late for everything. Not massively, but a little bit late for everything. To the point where my friends will tell me a different time we're meeting. Yeah. So they lie to me so that I get there about the same time as yeah. them. Because if they tell the truth, they're all sitting waiting for me. And I don't like that about myself, but I've accepted yeah. it. <laughs> I think I'm 47. Nothing's going to change no. now, really. Sometimes I don't leave the house till the time I'm supposed to meet yeah. somebody. <laughs> and I haven't even left yet. <laughs> and I have to text and go, oh, the traffic's bad. Yeah. <laughs> not even in the yeah, car. Sometimes I take a photo, an old photo of traffic and go, not sure what's happening. See you as soon as I can. <laughs> An old photo of traffic. Does that mean that now you have to take a photo of traffic for like yeah, five so you just time. might you might need to use yeah, yeah, you just take some photos. You know how now when when you're entering <laughs> like if you're in the dating world, people have nudes on their phones. Like they'll just send you a nude like this, and you go, "Oh, this was a nude that you just have on your phone." For other people, like, this feels cheap. Like, it's just a file nude. It's not a nude for me. Do they, do they put them in folders? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't know any of this stuff. I, I of course... Trimmed, untrimmed. I'm the same age as you, so I don't send nudes because people go, did you mean to send this to your dermatologist? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. <laughs> I would be horrified. I once, and a previous partner wanted me to send a nude and I sent a picture of the crack of my knee with my leg shut so it looked like an arse yeah. crack. And he was, and he got all aroused and I had to go, ah, it's just my knee. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't do it. I could get somebody to sketch it maybe and send that on because then that might be a more pleasing visual yeah. than an actual photo. Yeah, I, I oh, don't know. And also, I worry, I don't really know what the cloud is. I don't know where that's yeah. going. That they, you know, I don't think I can be identified by down there, but I think 
Oh no. And also there's so much there's lighting to take in. Yeah, this is I don't like also like I've got a ring light to to do a podcast. I've got a ring light on for audio. (laughs) How lit does my fanny have to be before I send a picture of it to a stranger? You need the sun down there. (laughs) Oh, a bit of day daylight would be much more flattering. You'd have to get yourself all your bits out in the garden. It's a different kind of flower, love. (laughs) Two bees just scratching their heads going, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Where's the stamen? I can't find the stamen. Oh, bloody typical men not being able to find the stamen. Thank you for joining us for this very special episode. And if you liked this, there is plenty more from last season that you can check out on the Listener app and plenty more to come when Ursula returns for a huge season four this month. Don't forget to share around with your friends and family and Urs will be back before you know it. Maybe even with a British accent. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's Enough Already, hosted by me, Ursula Carlson, and produced by Natalie Turner. Supervising producer was Nick McClure, and special thanks to Ella Leaf and Big Sutherland. Couldn't do it without you, gals. If you like this podcast, remember to subscribe, share it with all of your friends, tell your mum, tell your sister, don't tell that annoying brother of yours, you know, but definitely share it with a friend. <laughs> <laughs>